Welcome to the Dirt to Dollars podcast. Hosted by Central Kentucky Extension agents, Whitney Carmen, Daniel Carpenter, and Matt Adams. Where we talk everything from the dirt on your land to the dollars in your hand. Welcome back to yet another riveting edition of Dirt to Dollars. Riveting. Riveting. Electrifying. Electrifying would be a good one to use this week. Start with a good jolt yeah. of energy. Yeah. So, got several things to talk about this week. Yeah. We'll get to some of those later on. Uh, be sure you stay tuned. Our guest this week is Mr. Joseph Sisk with the Kentucky Corn Growers Association. Uh, we talked about several things in his segment, but probably one of the most important is an issue we've talked about on this show before uh, with some changes regarding the atrazine label that are proposed. So if you're a corn farmer for sure, or if you're just somebody that supports corn farmers or are interested in the technologies that corn farmers use to sustainably and efficiently produce corn, then you're going to want to listen and uh, see how that could affect them and how it could affect you. And, you know, if you're interested, if you're interested in that, you probably attended or may be interested in uh, the field day that we had here, yeah. uh, UK's corn and soybean field day. Yeah, we had we a had little field day this week, didn't we? Yeah, we did. And you know what? It rained. <laughs> you know, we. Uh, I think if we I'd even know, joked. If I'd, if I'd known that's all it was going to take to make it rain, we could have uh, we we like scheduled this ago. in like June. Yeah. Yeah. Next time. But – we joke. We did joke about it. How like, oh, it's going to be dry and there's not going to be much there. And then all of a sudden, it'll rain the day we try to do this. And uh, we had a little rain before that, but yeah, we did. We got rained out. We're getting it rained out. We still the show went on. Yeah, um, we're. I think we've all had it with canceling things, and um, so we just we decided we were going to do it rain or shine, and and happy to or thankful that Ryan Bivens was able to host us in his shop, and uh, we got it. Kind of last minute, we decided we we're going to have it in there. So we swept the floors and we decided to leave some of his equipment in there because it'd be good background for pictures and kind of the setting there. So we had it inside. But <laughs> while we were having it inside, came a pretty good storm there for a minute or two. And yeah. I think his grade leg got struck by lightning while we were standing in a metal building. Yep. So thankful that that is all that happened. It wasn't any worse than that. I know, I think he may have had a little damage from the lightning. So, you know, the uh, the commodity groups always set up tables at, at events like this and have little get, giveaways. I think one that would have been real popular would have been some new underwear for some of the producers <laughs> yeah. over there. So, yeah. That may have been, may have been pretty popular. Yep. If you, if you need to file an underwear claim, please contact <laughs> them. <laughs> Don't contact us. Yeah, they. I think they're they'll split the bill on that. So, corn growers and soybean <laughs> group. I think we uh, knocked out the internet. To several I think so. I think surrounding so. Listeners, so there was there was a lot of good timely information shared at the field day. Uh, we I think you know we did a few shows talking about you know what's what they're going to talk about. So we won't you know continue on with that. But there was a lot of questions about. Uh, fungicides i think and and you know do we need to you know what's foliar fertilized foliar fertilized there was some um or foliar fertilizer i 
think is the fertilizer. proper way you yes. say it. Questions about that and and what research has shown on that? Herbicide resistance. That herbicide resistance that was talked about as well. But then, um, and I think I missed that one because I was cleaning up one site before we moved on to the next one. So I missed that. Call. Hey, you didn't even mention that. What? It was at Ryan Bivens' shop and the Hardin County Extension. Gotcha. Campus. Yeah. So there was, um, that was good. But then I think the most talk or the most conversation was about carbon credits and carbon markets yeah. um, at the end of the day. And that was, that was kind of good stuff to hear too, which just kind of echoed the importance of our commodity organizations and the roles that they play for farmers in the state. Yeah, we had some not really heated conversation, but some passionate conversation at the end about ways that that should go. But it was it was hot, man. It was that field day. Stat, I don't know if you've noticed this, but in the mornings, like right before we yeah. were getting started with that field day, it was hot and muggy. I mean, it was eighty degrees, and the air was so thick. You cut it with a cut it with a butter knife. And then about halfway through the session at Ryan's the temperature dropped like 15 degrees and, and it like, felt Uh-oh. good. And then it, then that weather, yeah. <laughs> you knew it was something was about to go down when the, when the temp changes like yeah. that. Uh, so yeah, we, uh, we got rained out of the Richard Preston stop, mm-hmm. but we were lucky enough to have Richard speak, mm-hmm. I guess at lunch or before lunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, he showed some ears of corn that he had pulled from uh, around the pots where we were supposed to have been that, were better than expected, which I think could be a common theme on some of the later planted corn here in our area. So now that we've caught some of these rains, just really interesting. We're not going to know what those yields are going to be until the combine goes through. I don't think. Yeah. And I think he had, uh, he also had three different ears of corn that he was showing up there and, and talked about how, I guess, how varied, Mm-hmm. The maturity is in the field. Yeah, in had the three different, field. yeah, three different ears of corn. One was at milk. One was late blister, blist, late blister, and uh, one was recently pollinated, and uh, all in the same field, same hybrid, same row, just different water stress. You know, you had hillsides, low areas. Uh, that that was the only difference was was how stressed they were for water. But so really, pretty... no pollination issues. No, and with no, the rains looked... that we've gotten, they all looked like they probably should fill out. Yeah, looked looked okay. It was just interesting to see three different growth stages like that. And the best part of the day of all, at all, did you get your barbecue sandwich? Daniel? I did. I had. I got two. my bar. I, I'd heard a rumor <laughs> that we might have there. You might get a barbecue sandwich. And I even had a barbecue sandwich for dessert. Yeah, I would have liked some rainbow pudding, but wasn't any of that. Yeah, maybe next time. Yeah. All right. Well, we mentioned that we got rained out, or not really rained out. We had to go to a rain plan. So I don't think anybody, nobody was unhappy about that. I think they were all glad to get out in the rain yesterday. Yeah, we had a great turnout. So that's something in this area, we've gotten quite a bit of rain. Uh, what, probably within the last week when the most widespread one was? Uh, yeah, there's been widespread rains, shots. but there's been little pockets here and there that have gotten like large amounts of rain. Right. You know, like right. I guess I'm one of those lucky few, I guess you could say, because I've gotten, I've probably gotten seven and a half inches of rain in the last week and a half, but six of that was at one time. So, yeah, we've, uh, have we dressed, busted the drought in this area, you think? I think drought monitor last week didn't change a whole lot. It didn't change a whole lot. I, I imagine it may change this time, but I also, 
was feeling good about the near term forecast, but then if you look, it's kind of looks like it's probably going to turn off hot and uh, and dry later on, which I guess is kind of the usual for August. But looks like we're going to be in some hot conditions. We have all summer. Seems like just been hot. Summertime in Kentucky. Yep, wearing out all my clothes, having to go through the laundry multiple times a week because I sweat through them all. All right, so yeah, we did have a great field day. And uh, we did have to adapt, have rain plan adaptations. Is that a good way to put it? Mm -hmm. But we had the tools to do that, right? We had the plan. We had the tools. So it's important to keep tools in the toolbox to be able to successfully implement that plan. So let's get right to a conversation now about how to protect some of those tools that farmers may have in their toolbox. Daniel, would you want to introduce our guest? All right. So we've got a great guest with us today, Mr. Joseph Sisk. And I think he's out of Christian County area, grain farmer and uh, president of Kentucky Corn Growers. Uh, Mr. Sisk, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing great. Um, doing great. So we decided to have you on. There's some some topics that are uh, uh, going on right now with uh, in reference to some chemicals that we use in corn production. But first, before we get into all that stuff, kind of let us know where you're from, where you, where you farm at, your farming operation. Uh, give us a little background about that, if you don't mind. Uh, farm mostly in Christian County. Uh, we have a little bit of ground in Trick County, but mostly in Christian County. Um, where my shop is, our home built uh, base is, uh, is the third generation here. My grandfather came here in the 50s and... Uh, I graduated UK in, in 96 and worked public work retail for a while and then came back and, and uh, started the buyout in the, in, uh, from my dad and my uncle and, uh, in 1999. So my wife and I uh, own the farm and we're, we have, we say we're raising three kids on the farm. Two of them are old enough that they're going to college now, but we still have uh, one kid at home. Uh, we farm corn, wheat, soybeans. We've grown a lot of popcorn over the years and canola. Uh, we were have been involved very heavily in the in the uh, industrial hemp program since 2016. We have not had any uh, for the last year and a half, but but that was something we were are, were very involved in and and have continued to have continued to have a lot of contact with, even though we're not growing it right now. Around here, we have a little bit of irrigation. Uh, do you use a lot of irrigation on your farm too? We, we have added center pivot irrigation to the to the farm. Uh, the problem for us here is um, a lot of places that we have water, we don't have anywhere to put a pivot. And so um, it's a very highly used thing uh, here in high value crops, tobacco, things like that, mm -hmm. any vegetable production. For row crop, it's not used a lot here. There are a few farmers that have, have gone into it. Um, we don't have it feels like a lot on a day like today, but we don't, it's 15% of the acres. So it's, it's not that much of mine. You, you get up in the, on the Ohio river, you know, farmers that we would know in Owensboro and um, maybe Livingston County up on the, on the Cumberland, they've got uh, obviously a lot of access to water, but they also have fields that are conducive to it. it. It's just hard here. There's a few of us here that have center pivot. It, it doesn't, it's enough that it affects our production and it's a, uh, it can be a good return if you can manage it, but it, it's not um, it's not half my production or something, you know, where it would be for some folks. Where um, I know it, I think you have more there than we do here in, in more in the central Kentucky part of the state. But if um, has it been 
has how's the weather been down there? I mean, have you used a lot of air? Have you had to use it a lot this year? Or? Uh, it, it's brutal here. We haven't had any rain here. We had half an inch here about two and a half weeks ago. Before that, it was the third week of June. And we haven't had any rain since. We had a tenth over the weekend. So it, it's oh, so you all uh, haven't had any of that this week then? No, the pastures here are all burned up and corn. The southern and it's just, I mean, the whole state obviously is badly affected with its corn crop, probably the worst corn crop we've had in 10 years. Um, but from Katie's, from the southern tier on the Tennessee line, from Katie's to Bowling Green, um, it's not, it's not, uh, it's, it's either bad or really bad. I mean, it's, it's very, very few spots. You know, there's been a few spots that caught a little rain that maybe some of the grass is still green, but the corn yields are badly affected. We have, probably 25% of my acres, we will run the combine over, but it will be sub 100, you know, it'll be bad, burned up stuff on hills. You know, you don't even know how bad it is to go through it. And just from riding, as you go from here east, particularly through some of the, one of the, just, you know, wonderful ground and great farmers in South Todd, South Logan, Simpson, Warren, mm -hmm. uh, just fields of corn that look, don't even look like corn, some of them. So, and, and none of those areas have received these rains this week. And, and if it does now, what, you know, obviously the big push now is our soybeans here are almost completely double crop. So they still have a 100% chance of being a great crop, but it's, we've got to get muddy or, right. or, or it's, or the uh, disaster will really set in. Did you all have any trouble getting a stand on your double crop soybeans? I know it had to have been dry during wheat harvest. You know, interesting. It was enough moisture. I'm not going to speak to everybody in the, on the, you know, down here in our area across the whole region. But for the most part, there was enough moisture. The beans got up and looked pretty good. You know, they're not, yeah. they're, they're not reproductive yet. They're still vegetative. And uh, for the most part, soybeans look very normal. Uh, we've run a center pivot over a couple of fields where we have soybeans and, and those beans are bigger. <laughs> you know, you can mm -hmm. see the circle now, but if, if we were to get, you know, there are huge chances of rain this week and we're last week, obviously also, but if we were to get muddy this week and then continue some near normal rainfall pattern, we will have a normal double crop bean crop. So, which is going to be very important now that we have a, a crop insurance corn crop because I, I don't personally, I don't know anyone. I, I don't guess I know of anyone that would have, you know, acres that are spread out at all from South, you know, South Trig all the way through Simpson. I guess I, you might find someone that's, it's absolutely an insurance crop. It's bad. We hate to hear that. Well, uh, these, rain, these rains that, I mean, I'm so proud of my friends, you know, I, uh, uh, Jason Strode in Owensboro, and I talked to Ryan Bivens the other day, and and I know Ryan got another great rain yesterday, it looks like. So you're proud that they're getting it. But when they post pictures of water and ditches on Twitter or Facebook, it really hurts bad. <laughs> it hurts pretty bad to look at it. And it's and this is true down through, you know, Robertson County, uh Central Tennessee area. Y'all know who Will Jepson is. He's a good friend of mine. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. all down through there. They're worse than we are. Yep. So it's a big area. All right. Uh, well, Daniel mentioned when he introduced you that you're the current Kentucky Corn Growers Association president. Uh, just tell us a little bit real quick about how long you've been involved with that situation or with, with that organization and uh, how uh, – kind of what your duties are as president with Kentucky corn. So I, I'm in my ninth year 
on the board. I'm also in about, I'd have to ask to verify this, I guess, but I'm in my fourth or fifth year on the promotion council. This is the, I, we term out on Kentucky corn at our ninth year. Uh, we have to come off the board for at least one year. Um, so this will be it for me on the board, unless for some reason I were to go back on. The corn, you know, there's a lot of people know this, but it's always worth restating. Uh, our corn board, when you that, that the producers that the uh, members in the association elect is separated from our corn promotion council. We have a lot of overlap between membership between the two because it's important we talk to each other. But the corn board, of which I'm the president right now, is a member elected organization. And, and that is where like the, the association dues and monies that come in for dues are used. We can use them for going to D.C., talking to people, lobbying efforts and those things. It is separated from the money that's withheld from your corn check. Those those checkoff dollars, they flow into the promotion council. They are not allowed to be used for many things. In particular, we're not allowed to lobby with them or do anything political. And that's because, you know, everybody's got their own views. The money's being held from their check. Uh, you got to be careful how you lobby one way or the other because it might not be. I mean, you're you're not representing. That's not what we're supposed to be doing with that money. So that money is obviously for the promotion council, which I'm also fortunate to serve on. Uh, is where monies are dealt out for research opportunities. Uh, a lot, a lot of that's through the University of Kentucky. We do a lot of work with U.S. Grains Council, U.S. Meats Export things, and uh, egg and poultry. Um, it's amazing. It's been amazing to me on that in the nine years that I've been involved in it. At the reach that uh, Laura Noth and Adam Andrews have through those organizations internationally, you know, a lot of our, you know, one of the, I remember one of the first times I went to a meeting and there was somebody that did a presentation on how they were trying to move, you know, calf tongues in some country somewhere. And you're sitting there staring at it. Like, why does this matter? And I remember at the time it was like, it was worth like a dollar 75 to every carcass. Well, they're feeding the cattle corn. So the more, the, the more the cows bring, the more we get paid. And it was millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. So, it's uh, or chicken feet, you know, like, you know, you know, we're going to do with all the chicken feet. So it's a, uh, it's just, it's been a fascinating experience for me. I, I, I don't, you know, there's no, it, we're so busy as a group farmers are, there's no reason to, to expect people to really know and understand how deep that organization works, both within the lobbying efforts and the working with the governmental things and trying to prevent things from happening bad to us about some of the things we'll talk about today about regulation but just also the promotion of it is gigantic. It's not just about things in the state or in your community or with, you know, University of Kentucky. It's, it's really, really big. And uh, I'm, it's been a, been a great uh, pleasure of my career to have done this. It's been really good for me. So as president, you asked that question. It's, uh, you know, there'll be president's meetings that you go to that are, you know, the presidents of the other associations that are members of NCGA. Um, and just like any other organization that you run the meetings and you're the one that makes the phone calls. And if there's a question that's got to be asked about something, you got to deal with it. So um, I, Laura, Laura Noth and Adam Andrews run a fantastic organization and real bare bones organization and just do a great job. And when you go with them places, they are, I would tell members and, and people that surround it, we are so fortunate in Kentucky. Uh, our, our soy 
association is extremely well run with great staff. I mean, y'all been around them and, uh, you know, uh, they just, just do, do a great job. Uh, um, uh, Becky and Ray and Debbie just do a fantastic job there. And, and then when you move over to grains, uh, small grains and corn are both run by, uh, are both administrated through the same office there with Laura and Adam and, and they have such a strong and other states don't have that. And we are so lucky to have it. So I, I would encourage anyone to ever, ever get an opportunity to get involved with that, at least go to meetings and listen, because it's a lot more going on there than you would, than you would know if you're, if you're not directly involved in it. And we'll let it slide that they've got a staff member that volunteers their president to be on a radio show uh, less than 12 or about 12 hours before he's supposed to be on it. Right. So. Let me tell you something. <laughs> president of one of these organizations, 12 hours is a whole lot of lead time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you mentioned uh, that, that the corn growers association kind of goes to bat for farmers when we face challenges. Uh, there's a challenge that's coming up that we've talked about. We've touched on a little bit on this show uh, with one of our most commonly used chemicals, chemistries in uh, corn production, which is atrazine. Uh, can you give us a little bit of a rundown on on what the EPA is trying to make a label change on there? What what's going on with with that chemistry? So, you know, anyone that's ever dealt with, it's obviously used in other crops, but just to speak to corn, um, anyone that's ever dealt in corn production has dealt with atrazine. Uh, it's been around for six decades or more and has become very, it's always been important to us, become even more so now that we have such, such weed resistance issues, because although things can become resistant to it, for, just in the ways it works, it, it's hard for a weed to become resistant. It's just a tank mix partner. Yeah. And before before we started recording, me and Matt were trying to, trying to find cases of resistance to atrazine yeah. or, or, and, and it's just extremely limited really extreme. can't find it. So when we talk about that, atrazine is incredibly safe to mammals, which is important to me as a farmer for myself, my family, the men that work on this farm, you know, it, it's a big deal. There are some issues. If atrazine becomes concentrated enough in a body of water, it's an algicide. It does have that effect doesn't hurt any of the animals, but it does hurt. It can be an algicide if it's concentrated. Back during, so this has been a kind of an ongoing fight. This has been, a, this is the oldest chemical, you know, one of the oldest chemistries that is really, you know, widely used. And it's kind of had a bullseye on its back by anti-farming groups and uh, actual farming groups, maybe, that are organically driven that don't think we should be using chemicals. Uh, and just the anti-chemistry, anti-technology uh, undercurrents in our society. It and and because it's because there's there's not going to be this much data on anything. So they've got years of data to look at, and, it, and even though it's wholly uh, safe and it looks great, it just gives them a lot of gives them a lot to look at. So during Obama's administration, this is an interesting. It's an interesting trick here. During Obama's administration, there was a decision made to set what they would have called, uh, at, you know, a level in a water that would have been a concern. At, this is off in the weeds, but 15 parts per billion. Mm -hmm. And the producers of atrazine, the um, farm groups, the government, the EPA, everybody says it's a good number. We can work with it. 
at that level, it's so far below being affecting any algae and water that it's not even an issue. You know, it's, and, and for our part as farmers, most farm groups and universities decided that it was also a level that we didn't have to worry about it causing us problems about being able to stay under it. Right. So mm-hmm. it's a great, it's a good number. It's, it's a number we can stay under and it's a number that's, I don't know. I've heard things thrown around and I'm not an algae, I'm not an uh, expert on algae, but it's, it's so far below the number that would actually have any effect on algae in a body of water that it was a non-event, right? So this number was brought into effect under Obama's administration. It was codified with the EPA under Trump's administration. So it came in under Obama's administration. Trump's administration codified it. Well, that's a good thing, right? So because there's not going to be a lot of things those two administrations agreed on. We're not, mm-hmm. not, we're not going to talk any politics. I'm just saying that that would be a, a, something that you would think, well, it must be a good thing. In this, in, in our current EPA is just doing a full look back on anything that might have possibly happened under Trump's administration. Uh, and in that, they rolled it from 15 parts per billion to 3.4. Okay, this becomes a number that is unattainable for over 50% of the corn acres in the U.S. Okay, so we're talking about 45 million acres you just gave a problem for the safest thing we have on the truck and for the for the safest thing we have on the truck and for the most one of the most effective tools we have in our toolbox right now if you do fall into that area where you're going to be in that area of concern they gave they have added they are proposing adding to the label mitigate you know mitigations that you can do that are that were written by people who had never seen a plow. I mean, and so like in a lot of, in a lot of instances, asking people that are in an area that they are going to work the ground because you'd have to drive two miles to drop a foot to use all cover crops. Or if you get in certain areas that they want the atrazine incorporated to a depth that we all know that if you applied atrazine and then incorporated it, you might as well not have done it because right. the weeds on top are going to grow through it. So just simple things like that. So the mitigations they gave us are unworkable. One of which I'd have to look at the proposed label. We saw it during our NCGA meetings in DC, but it was not to spray at any time that there was a chance of a rainfall event in excess, I think of two inches in the next 48 hours. Well, I mean, how do I, you know, for us in the spring, that's that's really not that, that big of an event. That was and, one you know, we talked about earlier, and that they can't forecast the weather within twelve hours, let alone how are you going to know within forty-eight if it's going to rain like that? I not. mean, just just a week and a half ago, we were supposed to get an inch and a half of rain in my area, and I got five and a half inches. Yeah, well, you look I what mean, like how, look what happened in St. Louis yesterday with fourteen inches. Right. So, I, yeah. Anyway, so big picture, I've gotten way off in the weeds, but the big picture is. We had a number that was everybody agreed on, or most everybody. I'm sure. I mean, there's always somebody that like it, but that was workable under Obama. Was codified under Trump. Now under Biden's EPA, all of a sudden they've rolled it back 25% of what that was, and they've done it. I believe this is my personal opinion. I'm not speaking for the association on this one, but I think it's purposeful. If they can take this safest chemical we have on the one of the safest chemistries we have on the truck, and and basically try to eliminate it then everything on that spray truck is fair game and and so that is scary for someone who uses technology for conservation efforts on his farm like i do 
We talked about Ryan Bivens. I mean, we, we, we talk about all the good farmers all around the state. They are going to be in situations where they're using these chemistries in an effort for conservation. If you take that, if you take those chemistries off our trucks, we're going to be working the ground. The worst thing we can do. I mean, this is not, I don't think this is not the, yeah, I'm not, I'm not splitting the atom when I say this. The worst thing we can do for the environment is to work the ground. I mean, you're releasing the carbon that they want us to sequester and you're causing erosion and we're losing the nutrients and we're messing up the soil particles, all the things we understand and know now that if you take those chemistries away from me, I'm going to get rid of that weed. I mean, I can't have the weed in the crop. And uh, so that's a whole lot to tell you that I think that the effort here is much deeper than the atrazine question, that if they take the safest thing away from us, that, you know, what if you in, and I'll say all I'll, the last thing I'll say about it. And you can ask me whatever you want to about it is we are in the comment period right now with the EPA. The last time this came up and sometimes with ethanol questions, when we ask the general farming population to do this, you can go on Kentucky corn's website. You can just go Google it. And y'all might could help me with this because you're might be sitting in a situation where you can actually verify how to do it, but you can go on through NCGA and make a comment to the EPA. It's a real simple little thing. The more of those things that happen, it does make an effect. It does mm -hmm. have an effect in that we need to, if, if they get 15,000 comments or they get 40,000 comments, that makes a difference. Right. And so, we've got to be involved in this comment period. So it, what we're talking about has not gone into effect. When they do this, there has to be a comment period. In this case, there's going to be a secondary uh, research uh, panel that's going to look it all over before anything happens. And during that time, we do have the opportunity to affect this. Our federal delegation, our entire federal, de federal delegation from Kentucky that we met with in D.C., uh, both Democrat and Republican, were completely on board with whatever they had to do here because they understood what we were saying. You know, we're not trying to keep something in play here that's, you know, it's going to be dangerous to someone. We need it to be where that number was that was safe for the water supply and that was workable for farmers to continue to be good conservationists. And it's got to stay there because if what they're proposing happens, it's going to be, it's going to be a big deal. It'll be in court forever. But it, it's going to cost everybody, you know, gajillions of dollars. Uh, but hopefully, hopefully we're having an effect. So, yeah. So and, if you go to ncga.com and uh, click on take action, the first thing that comes up is the atrazine comment thing. So if you're, you know, wanting to submit comments in there, that's why you can do that. And I think it's supposed to be pulled up on Kentucky Corn Growers website it is, here within yeah. the next few days as well. So hopefully by the time this is on there, it's on there as well. Uh, and I'll... It was a 30 day comment period that started about two weeks ago. Two, right. So it's probably got maybe a week or 10 days left. Yeah. To comment. And I'll just give an example. You talked about that original number that was uh, put in place under the Obama administration. That was early at the beginning of my career. And we had a watershed here in this area that was actually a little over that, that level. And we had to get out and do some work and some education and uh and made some changes and got it down below it so that that wasn't just a a target that was so easy to attain that everybody was going to attain it we made changes uh to actually drop levels and areas down below that level uh so yeah that that wasn't just a just an easy button that we could hit uh that was something that took some stewardship to be able to stay below so uh so yeah but it, there's but some did, meat to that 
but it did leave you in a situation that you could be successful with yes. your program. Yes. And the mitigations at that time were not onerous. Right. Oh, and, and it was like, y'all got to stay below this or, you know, keep doing it. And I'm sure somebody will come see you. This time, the mitigations are just, I mean, you, right. look at the list and you just kind of still think, well, I can't do any of that. All right. It, it effectively takes the, takes that chemistry off the truck. Like you said, that's yeah. impossible to meet it. And, and one thing that Daniel and I had uh, looked at it, looking on the label, there's, there's notes on the atrazine label about not going below full rate or uh, risking decreased weed control and, and uh, resistance. Possible issues. resistance. So, so that's something else we've got to keep in mind as well as, you know, if we're going to keep with the, what the current label says and keep that chemistry successful, then we really don't need to. We don't need to. to right. We know what right. happened. Our, a lot of our friends and our farming communities all over the U S showed us what happens when you try to get cute with your roundup break. Yep. So we don't need to get cute with the rate on this. I mean, yep. uh, yeah. All right. So moving on from the atrazine issue, I know uh, one issue that Kentucky corn growers association and NCGA uh, works diligently on that's been of great importance here within oh, the last six months anyway uh, has been ethanol. Uh, what are some reminders, some key points you uh, want to make about the ethanol industry right now and some of the benefits that, that we see out of ethanol? You know, a lot of the things that we are always talking about are, you know, that it, it, it's a renewable resource and that it's, you know, something that we can produce in the U.S. and that we want more things produced here. I think that, I think the big part of what's going on this time, we have two things that work against us a little bit in this. One, we need E15. We need to move from 10% in your tank to 15% in your tank to be available year round. Uh, right now, there are some archaic vapor pressure issues that my daughter you know, maybe my daughter, Georgia Tech, could explain to us better than we, we, we would ever understand. But read vapor pressure issues that they used years ago that made it look like we couldn't have it added to the tank in the summer because it might increase the volatilization and, and cause smog problems. What we know now is it's not that's not true. And uh, but we can that still it's kind of like anytime any uh, advocate groups that are working against you in any way. If it's data they can use from 30 years ago, they're going to wear you out with it, right? So it's not, we need to be moving at least to E15. I, there'll be some talk about E30 and the Next Gen Act. Uh, but, but the Next Gen Fuels Act is something we're pushing for real hard. I, I think that it's got a lot of support, bipartisan support. Uh, I know in the Senate, in the, in the U.S. Senate, whether it's, you know, Senator Grassley or Klobuchar or, you know, any of them on either side of the aisle, they understand that um, why it's important to do this. Um, it cleans up the air. It gets some of these things out of the fuel supply that are damaging to our environment, which ethanol is not. If we don't denature it, several of us might have some of it tonight. So it's uh, it, it's it's uh, it's a uh, it's important for f corn farmers for a multitude of reasons. One, we don't. When when they came with uh, when they came with the ethanol uh, mandates back in whatever 04, 05, whenever that was during during George W. Bush's administration, 
we did not physically have the corn to do what they wanted us to do, right? So we're like nine billion, eight, nine billion bushels of corn production, and basically during that time period, and they were talking about needing four, four and a half billion bushels of corn to supply what they foresaw they would want in ethanol production. Well, during that time, we've gone from nine to fifteen and a half. So we we have way outwalked what they asked. That drove innovation, it drove good technology, it drove better farming techniques. It just, it did marvelous things across the whole farming spectrum, not just for corn, but for the other crops, because we just became better producers. And because we were being asked to, well, now that we're supplying what is needed in this E10 situation, and sometimes E15, and a few people using E85, every year in the U.S., and maybe not this year, but every year in the U.S., we go up about two bushels per acre in yield. Well, that's 180 million more corn bushels every year that have to go somewhere. So it does several things. It takes the food, to, the, the burning food for fuel argument is, is, is so hard for me to listen to. It makes my eyes roll back in my head because that's not even that makes sense because we have more corn than we can use. And that's not what people aren't sitting around eating bowls full of corn from in the morning so it we have it we're going to continue to have more of it it's a great way for us to do a renewable resource on the same acres and the same uh, basically the same mostly the same inputs we would have anyway and we get more fuel out of the deal so it's kind of a no-brainer all the way around that's why everybody it's why we're pushing for it uh, again this is one of those things as a grower when you think about the small amount of money that comes out of your check for checkoff dollars. This is a re- this is this is a real deal. No one else is going to go help you with this. There's nobody. There's nobody out there help you know going to help you with this except those except the corn growers associations. And particular, I mean, in corn. Now you get into soybeans. Obviously, soy does a great job with that. But in in the corn, it, as far as corn goes, that money that goes to ethanol lobbying well not ethanol lobbying things but ethanol uh, research groups and all the things that have to happen about getting people educated about how to use ethanol putting pumps in helping pumps get improved all the things that have to happen for that that's happening because of your checkoff dollars and if you remove the checkoff dollars from it well then we wouldn't have ethanol and uh and so it's a it's an easy thing to do it's an easy thing to use it's an easy thing for us to produce we are just naturally making more of it every year so we might as well use it and Joseph, you're listing all these benefits and all these good things about ethanol. Who's against it? Who is out here fighting against it in D.C. to try and keep us from having more ethanol? Well, the petroleum industry. I mean, that's it. I mean, and they, you've got, you have, you have uh, lobbying groups that are being, that are lobby, lobby against it sometimes just because they're being paid by someone else to do it, right? So, you know, you can, there'll be arguments against a lot of the uh, government uh, interventions that have had to happen to keep ethanol in your fuel supply. We can't compete. There is no level playing field. So we can't compete with the petroleum industry. So this argument that let it be a free market, just let it go run its course. Let me tell you what happens there. Either they, either the petroleum industry ends up owning all the ethanol plants or all the corn ground and, or, there is no ethanol. So you can, you're, you're not going to win that fight because you can't take hundred, you can't take a hundred thousand farmers and work against three, three or four major petroleum producers. So uh, it, it's the petroleum. industry. If you remove the petroleum industry 
from the argument, it, 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 we wouldn't even be, I don't think, I don't believe we would talk about it. You would have small lobbying groups that are saying we're burning food for fuel, which is obviously incorrect, or that growing corn is harmful to the environment, which we know is wholly incorrect, or monoculture questions that people like to talk about. So some of those deep off in the weeds things happen. But the money that's in the money that's in Washington working against us is not are not small, some small environmental group from, you know, wherever it's it's real money. And and that's that's the petroleum industry. All right, Joseph, thank you for joining us today. A lot of good stuff. And uh, once again, you know, to, to follow up on this, uh, you can go to Kentucky Corn Growers uh, Facebook page. And I'm sure they've been sharing this a lot there to find out how to comment on, uh, on this legislation. So Joseph, thanks for joining us. Maybe we'll get you on again sometime. Hopefully we can talk about something a little more fun next time. Uh, <laughs> maybe, other than maybe, policy. Maybe, maybe we can talk this time next year about how awesome my corn crop looks. Hope so. There you go. Yeah. Perfect. That sounds optimistic. <laughs> I like it. Well, thanks again, Joe. We'll talk to you later. All right. See you. All right. So some great talk there with Joseph, Mr. Joseph Sisk, our Kentucky corn growers president. Uh, Lots of good stuff there. Uh, just a reminder, if you want to comment on those proposed EPA changes, uh, you can go to either NCGA's website, which I believe is just ncga.org, or the Kentucky Corn Growers website, which is kycorn.org. Yes, kycorn.org. But yeah, yeah, there's several several ways that you can find that online and um and, and make any comments, but yeah, definitely uh, take your corn website or uh, ncga.com and then click on take action and atrazine comments. So I think there's a few other things on there too, uh, if you're interested in, in reading on, but definitely the atrazine but, one is the most. And just remember on the atrazine one. one that, yeah, we're kind of running out of time here. And he, he said 30 days. I did find something that said September 6th, but I think I would get it in there sooner rather than later to make sure it gets in. Yep, it was a 60-day public comment period. Mm -hmm. ends Tuesday, September 6th. So go on and get that in while it's fresh on your mind. Uh, get it taken care of. Because if you're like me and if you put it off till later, then you'll forget about it. Yep. So go on to it. Oh, was surprised to hear when uh, talking to him how little rain they've gotten down that yeah. part of the state. Yeah, that was shocking. I thought the last week or 10 days everybody had gotten something. There's been – some of these big widespread storms come through with some big rain amounts. It was definitely in central Kentucky. I think it was pretty widespread or here and, and sort of, if you're listening to this on the radio, especially you probably got an inch of rain the last couple of days, um, at least if not more than that. But um, over the last couple of weeks had, you know, pretty decent amount of water might be potential drought busting type weather. If we maybe get a little more, it sounds like I think we're recording this on Wednesday and we make it a little more, I think there's a flood watch tonight for when we're recording this so there, we may get some more uh rain before it's all said and done but we all also know that we're typically august is dry and hot so anything we can get now help help us make it through those dry patches that we'll have inevitably then but yeah it is a reminder you know and i think you said this earlier off the air but we were talking about how sometimes you forget you know when your backyard is in good shape you forget about those that are Please just a little down the road that. Backyarditis. Backyarditis. That's the technical term for that, yes. 
So be remembering, I mean, it's a stressful time for, there's, it's still a stressful time. You know, just think of how stressed we were here a few weeks ago about, about the water and um, that's still going on in other parts of the state. So be thinking about your fellow farmers uh, down the road because they're, I think they're, they're going to have some stressful times when they get out and harvest this crop too. Yeah. Yeah. Some of what he was talking about would make you sick to ride in the combine this fall. So especially in a year like this, when we've got more tied up in a crop than we've basically ever had. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, Matt, I think uh, we've got a few things coming up soon. Mm-hmm. I guess probably state fair is going to be here before we know it. Oh, don't talk like that. Did you? Did you? Uh, do you have a state fair assignment? I did not dodge that this year. You did okay. So, what's your? What do you have to do at the state fair? What's your extension agent assignment? Wood, wood science. Wood science. Hmm. I think you yeah, are an no, expert. I was, didn't know I was a master wood scientist. Did you? I, I'm, I just, I got lucky and I got signed up to do cleanup. So I, I don't, I think I lucked out. That's a good but job. For what you. Is that, does that start August 17th, 18th? Oh, really? Around that time of frame, I think. I probably need to look I think at it's that. the 18th. And I probably need to get my days that I'm supposed to be there on the calendar. Yeah, you might want to, you might want to start on that. But it should be, a, I think it'll be a good year for the state fair. Hopefully. Yeah, one of the first ones fully back to normal, probably, mm-hmm. right? Fingers crossed. Also, I'll throw out there, uh, uh, LaRue County um, cattlemen are going to be striking their meetings back up here in a couple weeks. So you might want to make note, August 9th, uh, they'll have a meeting at 7 o'clock at the Extension Office. So get that on your on your radar or on your calendar or wherever you store information. Maybe it's in a little pocketbook that you keep in your front pocket, but write do it down. Do you store your information on the radar? Sure. You carried a radar around with you. Well, you know what I meant on your personal radar. Yeah. Maybe it's just in your in your mind. Up maybe you have a mind. radar. Still Radars can pick up different things, and maybe it picks up that there's a beef meeting on Tuesday, August 9th at seven o'clock at the extension office. There you go. Yep. And also, uh, LaRue County has a cake program coming up. Uh oh. So be looking for that. It should be in your uh, advertised in the local newspaper uh, starting August 1st. So if um, we should have applications and everything at that time, if you want to come in and get those, I haven't seen that writing. I'm pretty sure that's when it's going to start. So if it doesn't start then, don't don't beat me up. But I'm pretty sure that's when it starts. Songs first. Just, we'll have that stuff here at the office. Just making it rain, Cape dollars over there, right? <laughs> yeah, and also Larue County Fair is going on oh. uh, next week. So look up Larue County Fair on Facebook or online, and uh, you can keep up with what's going on with that. Because they have several events going on. I think August 4th and 5th, especially. Should be a good time. Busy times. And then before you know that, school starts back. And you don't have one in school yet, do you? I don't. I do not. Got a couple years before that starts. All right. Is that all we got? We need a song. I got one. You got it. We've used it before, but I don't know 
Well, we're, there, there's two we've options. done this for so long that we're bound to just have to dip back. I know, but I like to, sometimes. you got to be creative and force yourself to find new innovative material. We know this. This is like our, it's like our business model of, okay. of doing this show, but you've either got white lightning or you've got the thunder rolls. White lightning. Uh, that's what I thought too. Pew! White lightning. Cause it was pretty white and it was yeah. a boom. Like when that hit at that fair, at that fair day, that like, it was a, there, there was no like flash and then boom. It was all, all at the same, same time, time. <laughs> and like rattled your innards. Yes. And, uh, corn growers, soybean groups, I'll be sending you my bill. For... <laughs> <laughs> it maybe even made Daniel's hair stand up on top. Of it his did. Head. And that's a saying something for <laughs> made all three of them stand up on top of my head. All right. We'll see y'all next week. Catch you next week.